You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. Today we have Nathan Lennart as our guest, and he is speaking with us today about what do we really want, how our aims organize our understanding of sexuality. And so we're very looking forward to having him here with us today and discussing and answering this important question. Uh, Nathan is currently in Toronto, Canada, and we're doing Zoom, of course. And so, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. So as mentioned, I'm Nathan Lenhart. I was born in Utah, lived in Michigan a good portion of my life, uh, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Bulgaria for two years, got my bachelor's and master's degree at Brigham Young University in Marriage, Family, and Human Development, And I'm currently at the University of Toronto getting my PhD in social psychology. 28 years old, on a more human note, I enjoy football as much as I enjoy playing piano, weight training as much as I enjoy writing poetry, world traveling as much as I enjoy reading a good book, and having deep conversations as much as I enjoy eating more pizza in one sitting than some people think is possible. Yes. He's just the best. <laughs> Love that. Nathan, it's so good to see your face on the screen and to hear your voice. It's been a while. You've been involved with Reach 10 for a long time. I have been, yeah. It's good to see you as well, Michelle. <laughs> yes. And it's. I think the last time I saw you is when we were at UCAP together. So that was a while ago. So this is so great. And I'm so excited to talk with you about really creating what we want with our sexuality and breaking free of maybe some of the cultural things that have influenced that and being intentional with our sexuality. And I know that you've done a lot of research on this. So this is going to be great. Yeah, that's a great lead in. Okay. So with sexual media, it definitely has a potential to shape our understanding of sexuality. It has the potential to give us certain of how it is that we should think about sexuality and how we should act with sexuality. It's also important to understand, though, that we're complicated people, that sexual media isn't the only thing that's informing the way we see sexuality. There are many different things that may increase or decrease the likelihood of sexual media influencing our understanding of sexuality. Nathan, can you can you help us understand what a sexual script is? You've used that word a couple of times, and I I, yeah. I want to make sure our listeners really understand that, and not even me. Yeah, for sure. So a sexual script is basically something like you would have in a movie script. You're a character in a play, and you're following a script about what's expected, what you're supposed to say, what you're supposed to do, the way you should be thinking about certain interactions. So sexual media gives us a script for the way we should think about sexuality. It gives us an idea for how we should act out on our sexuality. Does that find out a little bit? Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I, I don't know if I've like necessarily thought of it as like a literal script, 
but that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense because, or like maybe like a program or like a, this is like, once this happens, this is what happens next kind of thing. Right. Right. The expectation is maybe another word for that. But I really like that idea of when this person does this, then it leads to this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 Expectation is another good way to think about it. It's, it definitely can have an influence in setting our expectations surrounding sexuality. Okay. That's really helpful. So you're saying that what the research has shown is that some people are influenced than other people, like from the same quote unquote media or source. Right. So the research is pretty consistent that on average, the more sexual content that you view, the more of an influence has on setting or shaping your sexual expectations, your script, if you will. But we know that sexual media isn't the only thing that's influencing our expectations, right? We're far more complicated than that. So one thing to consider is things might increase or decrease the likelihood of sexual media influencing our sexual expectations. So one of the things to consider is how exclusive it is. Are we receiving information from other sources, whether that's sexual education in schools, parents, friends, or even romantic partners? There's the extent that it's formative. For example, did you start viewing sexual media at a young age? The younger you start viewing it on a consistent basis, the more likely it is to influence our understanding of sexuality. Uh, The extent that it's resonant. So the extent that you believe that what you're seeing reflects reality, the more it resonates with you in a sense. So lots of interesting questions to be asked there with technological advancements with virtual reality. Mm -hmm. So lots of interesting questions to ask there. And finally, reinforcement. So for example, if you are masturbating together with viewing of pornography, that positive reinforcement that comes from experiencing that sexual reward might increase the likelihood that you accept those types of scripts or messages from sexual media. The way we come to understand sexuality, the ideals that we have surrounding a sexual relationship are very complicated. There's many things that help to shape the way we understand sexuality. Sexual media absolutely can be a big one of those. But you need to, we need to consider all of these other things that are involved to kind of get an understanding of how our expectations are being shaped surrounding sexuality. Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I really love this because I feel like one of the messages that's out there is that if you have viewed pornography or you have had pornography, then your sexual script or your expectations are going to be totally off, period, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying and what I'm gathering from it is that it's just one factor and that you're not doomed is what I'm gathering. <laughs> and I think, I think that's really hopeful because there are so many other sources and, and other things that can influence and impact us. Is that what you're saying? Am I understanding correctly? Yeah, I think that that's, that is a good way to look at it, that even to this day, we're constantly receiving additional information that can update our understanding of what sexuality is and what we want in our sexual relationships. And yeah, absolutely. There's constantly things that we can be doing to update our understanding of it. 
and hopefully develop more both realistic and wholesome ideals of what sexuality can look like in our relationships. And so having this perspective and understanding that our sexual scripts, our sexual understanding can come from many different places. Uh, It doesn't just come from one because we are complex human beings. We take in lots of information and we have the capability of taking lots of information in. I believe before you were talking about how there's been studies that show that pornography use is detrimental to a relationship and Mm -hmm. other studies that are showing that pornography is you know, beneficial in the way that it might spice it up. Are you saying that the kind of differences there comes from perhaps a lack of understanding the complexity of how we, we take in the sexual media or our sexual understanding? Is that what we're getting to here? Yeah, I think that that's absolutely part of it. There's a lot of questions to be asked about what specific messages from sexual media that we're accepting and how those line up with what we're pursuing in a relationship. Hmm. So another thing that we talked about in this paper I I let out on was the difference between more short-term sexuality versus short-term sexuality, right? So there's plenty of reasons to understand why someone would enjoy viewing pornography. There's a lot of pleasure that can come from it. There's plenty of reasons to understand how, yeah, it can give ideas to spice things up in a relationship. And if someone is focused solely on more of those short-term aspects of a sexual relationship, it makes sense that pornography could potentially be helping them in those specific things, right? Mm -hmm. But for people that have more of a long-term vision, of sexuality that involves a more holistic approach of the relational, emotional, and for many, the spiritual, then you start to see where the script or the message portrayed in pornography doesn't line up with those pursuits, right? Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense because, of course, so much of pornography is fake. It's staged and Mm -hmm. it's not real, right? that can teach us that what's not real and then we expect that and that can damage our relationship so if we look at it in a certain way we can take out of it certain things but what we need to understand right is that there's so many different sources to help us to have good sexual lives and we should be looking for those good and pornography is just not a safe source to get that help is that right yeah i'd say that that's a that's a pretty fair summary overall i think that Yeah, my personal opinion in the things that I hope to have in a relationship, pornography doesn't line up with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to bet that the overwhelming majority, if not all of the listeners to this podcast would agree with that. But I think there's value in understanding why. There's value in understanding kind of why there's such controversy and debate surrounding this, because it helps us to better articulate our own arguments and understand ultimately what it is that we're aiming for. What we aim for organizes the way that we see the world. So because of the things we aim for in our sexual relationships, primarily as highly religious people with longer term aims, the things that we're aiming for helps us to recognize the deficits in the scripts we're seeing from sexual media. 
if we're only aiming for something in the short term of maximizing the total amount of sexual pleasure we can have with no concern for an actual relationship or the identity of a partner, then yeah, pornography might line up with that. And that's one of the reasons why there seems to be some inconsistency in research findings is many of these studies point to a very broad sexual satisfaction as the ultimate outcome. They ask you something like, how satisfied are you with your sexual relationship? Well, what do we mean by that? Do we think that that means the same thing for someone that's been in a relationship for two weeks as opposed to 20 years? Mm. It's a very loose term that we use with that. And without being able to more clearly define what it is we're looking for, a lot can get lost in translation there. I think that's really helpful. And especially like I, I have not dove into the research like you have, Nathan. <laughs> I've, and that's something I really appreciate about you. I feel like you really understand and love the research. But one of the messages is that like some of the research has shown that people who view pornography have like report having better sexual experiences and and understanding that maybe the questions being asked aren't the same questions that we want to ask sure. or that or are aren't going for what we what we are wanting like their goals aren't in alignment with my goals and so understanding that can help me understand the research better yeah these are important questions for us to be asking ourselves in addition to what we ask when we read a research article is what is the end goal that people are pointing to, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, the more I dive into it, the deeper my understanding becomes of relationships and sexuality. I'm convinced that satisfaction is a useful outcome, but um, painfully incomplete, if you will. There's far more depth to these types of relationships than whether it just so happens to make you feel good or you feel satisfied or even happy at a particular moment in time. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a, such a helpful question to ask myself, like in any situation is like, is this behavior leading to what I really want? <laughs> and right. I think back to when I was in dating relationships, I think I would often come to that. Like, is this relationship really what I want in five years, in 10 years, in 20 mm-hmm. years? And not that it like has to be that right then, right? All of our relationships yeah. grow and change and mature. But like, is this person who I want to be with and are they headed in the same direction? I also love this idea of like, is the behavior that I'm choosing or the way I'm choosing to interact with my partner, is this in alignment with where I want to go? If it is just bringing me like instant pleasure, is that really what I want in the long run and and evaluating that? I think that's a really healthy and cool question. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's just, it's such a fascinating thing to think about, particularly since with how complicated we are, we can even have complicated feelings surrounding what we want. There's often multiple motivations involved, right? (laughs) I mean, how (laughs) we have those times where hypothetically we might decide, you know, I need to get better grades. I need to start going to bed earlier. I need to start eating healthier. And this person just really isn't a good influence in my life. I, I need to cut them out of my life, start spending less time with them. And then a couple of days later, you find yourself up at 2 a.m. having eaten a full box of pizza with the person that you promised that you would spend less time with 
watching a meaningless movie, right? <laughs> totally. Mm -hmm. So we're complicated people. We have many motivations built into us at the same time. And it's a, it can be a challenging process of getting all of those things into alignment to be living the type of way to hopefully have the best type of relationships that we eventually can have. Mm -hmm. I really love what you said earlier, and I just want to repeat it. You said, the things we aim for organizes the way we see the world. And I think, like you said as well, what most of our listeners and what we're aiming for is sexual wholeness and an abundance of, of love. What we want out of life in general is a fullness of love, especially with our spouse or partner. And that's what we, we are aiming for. So we should ask ourselves, is what I'm doing, is what I'm looking at, is what I'm taking in contributing to this aim? And how can I change that if it's not? Creed, I love what you're saying. And I, I would agree. I think that we all want love and, and deep, unconditional acceptance in our relationships. And I think we've kind of hit on this idea. And, and I don't want to make this too black and white. I think it's really easy in this world to be very binary. And is that the case in this conversation, Nathan? Is it either I get pleasure or I have lasting love? Or can can both exist together? Yeah, that's a that's a fair question. Thanks for giving me the chance to clarify. Another thing we talked about in the article that we wrote was kind of three fundamental systems that we have in trying to form relationships with people. There's the motivation of a sexual drive, which is kind of the motivation to initiate our interest in seeking out usually partners. It's finding someone that very attractive sexually, right? So there's that system that's in place. There's also romantic love. That's a system involved that helps us to focus our interest in on a specific person. All of a sudden their little quirks start becoming endearing to us and they become very special to us in a unique way that goes beyond uh, simple sexual interests, let's say. And then you also have the attachment system, which is the motivation to stay together. Now, all three of these systems exist within each of us, the vast majority of us, I should say. There are some complications. And all of these things are interrelated with each other. I would say that the ideal in the long term, you can have all three of those in place. The pattern for most people is you find something attractive, you move forward to a point where you eventually pair off with each other, form an exclusive relationship. And then over an extended period of being reliably responsive to each other's needs, you develop a deep attachment towards each other. And all three of those can work together holistically. They can all vary. You can have one in place and the other's absent. You can have all three in place or you can have all three absent. What I would say is that the short term focuses heavily perhaps even exclusively on that initial motivation of the sexual drive, which is the, one of the reasons it's appealing to so many people. They get some fulfillment out of that, but those feelings of deep romantic love and attachment are absent. I would suggest that ideally in a long-term relationship, you can have all three of those present. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think what we really do want is a combination of all the deep, loving and abiding connection that we can have with a person and we can have the pleasure 
in a sexual relationship with that person. We can have the deep attachment, uh, the give and take, the love, and that can be all together. That's wonderful. So wrapping this all together, Nathan, what does this look like in a practical sense on a, on a day-to-day way regarding how do we connect all these ideas like sexual scripting, noticing what's coming into our lives, knowing what we're aiming for? How can we wrap all this together? Yeah, that's another good question. It's funny. I, I feel like explaining a little bit of some of the work broadly I've done with religion might be helpful in, in tying some of these points together. There was actually a study that I conducted a while ago. It was called Damaged Goods, and it got some press, and it basically showed that religious people were more likely to report that they believed themselves to be addicted to pornography, not saying whether or not they actually were, just that they reported that. And when they did report that, they reported more hesitance in talking with a romantic partner about it and going on dates. Now, the media got a hold of it, and (laughs) funny things happen with the media. The next thing I know, um, there were some people that were basically using that to suggest that, oh, it's, it's only religious people that experience negative consequences from pornography or something to that extent. And it's an interesting thing to think about. The research at this point is extremely consistent in showing that religious people who view pornography and see it as being against their morals, they do report more negative outcomes, right? But I don't think that that is solely a problem of religious messaging. I think that at least part of it is that people who are more religious have a different deal of sexuality. And when they view pornography, they become aware of the gap that the content they're viewing is between what it is that they ultimately want. Reach 10 even went through this, where it was at first just about fighting pornography and helping people overcome pornography. And we expanded that to include and develop healthy sexuality because we needed to have something we were working towards. We needed to have a, a, something as an organization we were striving for. And I feel like it's guided us so much. And I think that is so accurate in our lives too. Like we need to have a bigger picture of what we're going for. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. It really is an interesting picture where it flips the script a little bit where, again, I think a lot of people, they think of us as more religious people as kind of having this inhibited sexuality, if you will, to the point where we just don't really get it. But there's a healthy level of guilt that can come from recognizing that the messages that we're seeing in sexual media uh, don't line up with what it is that we're aiming for. It's kind of a cool idea that an ideal is also a judge, right? When we set an ideal for something, it can, in a way, pass judgment on whether we're living up to that ideal. And idealizing something also makes us aware of our shortcomings in reaching that goal. And there's absolutely healthy ways in which we can idealize something and unhealthy ways. And that's so beautiful. So thank you so much, Nathan, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your research. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a really cool thing to see the beginnings of Reach 10 and where it is now. I've, I've really enjoyed going through and watching several episodes from this podcast. I believe that Reach 10 is an influence for good right now. So thank you for what you're doing. 
That's what we're going for. Good. Thank you so much, Nathan. We are so grateful for everyone that we've had on our podcast, and we especially love hearing stories from people our age, young people who are struggling or discovering who they are or are really um, seeking to overcome the struggles and the challenges of their past and, and what they're learning from that. So if you have been touched by this podcast or by someone's story and you want to share your story, we would love to have you on our podcast and it can be anonymous. It can be non-anonymous if that's a word and um, whatever you would like, but please reach out to us, reach out to us at hello at reach 10.org. And we would love to hear and learn from you. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.